The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm Jonathan Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. As always, hello, hello. Well, it's later than normal, so my, I'm a little off. It's been a long day. Um, I, I stupidly uh, scheduled myself double. Uh, my daughter and I are, are Harry Potter nerds, and we had to go see Fantastic Beasts uh, Crimes of Grindelwald uh, today. Um and I completely kind of blanked on our normal scheduled recording. Um, partly, I think, because we recorded Top 5 Weird this week. And I think it threw me off because I had watched the w- movie for this week that we're going to be reviewing is The Manchurian Candidate from 1962. And I watched it Monday night when we recorded Top 5. So I think my brain was just oh. like, nope, we've done it. So <laughs> We're done. We're out. Um, and then also I started my vacation today because I am on Thanksgiving break. And so all of my other obligations are kind of free for the moment, and this one is not. So I don't know, but unlike me to uh, forget something. So we're recording very late, um, and thank you, Corey, for uh, staying up a little. Well, I guess it's not as bad for you. Yeah, I'm just old, and it's been a week. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, but uh, if you're new to the podcast, this is uh, Burke Reviews Movie Club, where Corey and I have decided... Over the course of now of almost two full years, um, holy hell! To try to reduce the number of movies on our gap list, and by committing to this podcast, so every week we watch a movie that one of us or both of us have not seen, or at least have not seen in a way that we think was meaningful, and we watch a movie. Um, and this year we've picked a different theme for every month, and this month is politics or political movies, and we just watched The Manchurian Candidate, and we're going to be getting to a review. A little later on in the episode, but first, we like to talk about what else we saw this week. Um, mine is usually a little more heavy than Corey's, but that's because I uh, devote a lot of my time just to watching movies for BurkeReviews.com. So, Corey, have you seen anything this week besides Manchurian Candidate? I've just been watching um, Forensic Files and um, Unsolved Mysteries, so kind of things that i don't have to think about while i'm watching them well i found out tonight um that i was we went to target before the movie and uh oh juliet naked's on blu-ray yeah i know we were waiting until black friday ah very good i didn't buy it so that's good news um because i definitely want to own that um i go ahead i just can't i need to talk about how much I love that movie and if anyone's been waiting or doesn't even know about it you just need to watch that movie and I love the soundtrack so much it's I just love it I listen to it often and I don't usually listen to movie soundtracks that often because I Mm. like like I like to listen to an album from beginning to end I don't like skip around or I don't it feels like this connected you know sometimes mm-hmm. when i listen to soundtracks and but i just really enjoy that one so well, speaking of soundtracks um i don't know if you ever saw greatest showman but it's a movie that my wife was a big fan of and one of my students 
um, who is a big fan of. Uh, and I, I also enjoyed the movie, but I also really liked the soundtrack. And they just came out uh, today with a like alternate versions of the songs with like different mainstream bands playing the songs and stuff. What? Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's Greatest Showman Revisited or re- Reprised or something like that. Um, Panic at the Disco does the uh, the Greatest Showman song um, or the Greatest Show song. And uh, there's a few other artists that are big, like Pink is on it and Kesha. Um, but it's, you know, it's interesting because I really like the soundtrack. I don't know if it's going to hold up um, to the actual movie soundtrack. But um, I thought you said you had seen a movie that you wanted to talk about uh, when we were going to record Top 5. And I told you to hold it for today. You, you probably did, and now I can't remember. Oh, okay. Well, I saw a bunch, so I'll, I'm <laughs> going to power through these. Um, I saw The Girl in the Spider's Web, the uh, kind of reboot slash continuation of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo um, movie. It's technically, I believe, it's the fourth book in the series. Uh, and in America, we've only done the first book, but there is a Swedish trilogy that does the first three. Um this is the fourth one, so it, it's continuing with the same characters, but different actress. Uh, Claire Foy is playing the uh, titular role, um, and it's not very good. It's not bad. It's just nowhere near as good as David Fincher's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, I saw Can You Ever Forgive Me, the Melissa McCarthy movie where she's playing uh, Lee... Oh, I'm going to forget her name. Lee Israel. And um, it's based on a true story I did not know, and it was super compelling, and I thought one of her best performances, and it also co-stars um, uh, Richard E. Grant, who you might remember as the main villain from Hudson Hawk, um, and he is terrific in this movie. I, I really enjoyed Can You Ever Forgive Me? Uh, I then went and saw Overlord, the J.J. Um, Abrams-produced Nazi zombie war movie um, that has Wyatt Russell and uh, when I forget his name, I keep forgetting the, the lead guy's name. Um, well, he's not even the first one on here. What's up with that? Letterbox is letting me down. Um, Hovan Adepo is the lead uh, character. Um, really fun movie. Crazy action. Uh, some really tight sequences. Um, my wife, myself, and my daughter went and saw The Grinch on Sunday night. Um, with That stars Benedict Cumberbatch as The, the Grinch. Um, Rashida Jones as uh, Cindy Lou Who's mother. Cameron Seeley as Cindy Lou Who and uh, Pharrell Williams as the narrator, which I'm still not still not sold on. Um, I really like this iteration of The Grinch. It seems to not be doing as well with other critics. I think it's sitting in like the 50s in on Metascore, but I really liked it. I It connected with me in a big way, so I recommend it. Um, Monday, I watched The Manchurian Candidate, which we'll talk about in a little bit. My six-period um, film class, which is Film 2, uh, they watched the Florida Project this week. We've been watching the season movies, so Florida Project was representing <clears> the summer. Um, and man, they really clicked with that movie, uh, and it was great rewatching it because I I am a huge fan of the Florida Project. Um, I did finally cave, Corey, and I watched You Were Never Really Here. Uh, you know that's the Joaquin oh, Phoenix with movie. Joaquin. It's on yeah. Amazon Prime right now. Um, I'd heard such great things about it. Uh, I went in really excited, and I came out on the lower end um i did not think it was that good of a movie uh i think joaquin's performance is great but i i really can't think of a bad performance from joaquin um i i don't know i think it might have just been it might have suffered from the hype because i heard so much about it and it just i don't know everything i was expecting it to do it didn't and uh 
um, Matt, from what I watched tonight, we're in the, kind of in the same boat because it's got like an eighty on Metascore, but we are in the minority of critics who apparently did not find it to be that breathtaking or crazy or really anything. Um, I was disappointed, and the reason why we're late recording is like as I mentioned, we just saw the Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, I'm still kind of torn where I fall on it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. But I also didn't love Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, I find them to be definitely lesser versions of the Harry Potter Wizarding World. Um, but it still has enjoyable stuff. Uh, Johnny Depp's performance is not that bad. Um, it's a little over <laughs> the top and not not too bad considering. Actually, to be fair, I guess he's, he's pretty subdued, really, um, compared to some of the other Depp performances. He's not doing Jack Sparrow or the Mad Hatter in this movie, so there's a bonus. Um... Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, overall, it wasn't, it wasn't good. Um, it wasn't great. I definitely, again, I, I like, um, Eddie Redmayne and, uh, I like Jude Law's Dumbledore a whole lot, in fact. Um, but still, like, it, it wasn't, uh, it doesn't live up to any of the later Harry Potter movies for sure. So, um, there you go. Any, any comments or questions, Corey? I'm just surprised you went to see it. Oh, again, I see a lot of the big movies though. But I know, um, but last year I enjoyed the first one, and or whenever it came out, my everything's a blur. And that's when last, you know you're getting. Old I guess folks. it was, it was last year. No, I, I think, think it was two years ago. Okay, and you were just like, "Let me ruin it for you," and you're like wanting to tell me all this stuff, and it's like, "No, stop." <laughs> well, I have a lot. I have a lot of those problems with this one too. <laughs> well, don't um, tell me about them. Okay, but I don't want to. You know, know, it's it's got some good moments, but it's really. I think it's um it's a bit of a jump. Uh, you told me not to tell you. Anyways, um, my review for Fantastic Beasts will be up later next week. Um, I still have some reviews coming up on BurkeReviews.com from these other movies that I just listed. Um, and I'll be uh I haven't written my review yet for you. Never really here. I still haven't like fully processed my opinions on it yet. Um, that was like so. Um, I watched the last one. I think it was his last movie. He won't get far on foot. Yeah. I still need to and, see that. Like he was great and all the performances were great, but it was just like such a long, it wasn't very interesting. And I don't know. I just, and it's like, he's so good. I don't know. Yeah. I've heard mixed things on that one. So, um, I guess that means let's get into the Manchurian candidate though, for, uh, this episode. Um, before we do that, I want to talk about the, because we watched the 1962 version of the Manchurian Candidate. And when I've made that decision, um, one, I was under the impression it was on the AFI list and it doesn't appear to be on the AFI 100 movie list. What? Yeah. Which I am a little surprised at, but we'll get to that in a second. Cause I had kind of poo-pooed watching the, the remake from 2004. Um, and then I started looking at it after I watched the, the 62 one. And I'm kind of not. I'm glad we watched the '62 one. However, I now really want to watch the 2004 one because one, I knew it starred Denzel Washington, and I knew Liv Schreiber was the uh, the other guy. What I didn't realize is that Meryl Streep is in it, and she's playing the Angela Lansbury character. Um, and then Jeffrey Wright is in it, and um, uh, Anthony Mackie's in it, who I am often a fan of. But do you know who directed the 2004 Manchurian I don't. Jonathan I don't. Demme. 
Okay. You should know that name because he directed Silence of the Lambs, Philadelphia, Rachel Getting Married. He just died, I think, Holy last year. Holy shit. And, okay. Never mind. Um, I was like, son of a butt munch. Like, I can't believe I pooped oh. this movie. Because I also was under the impression it had, like, a really bad critical reception. But it has a 76. So, on Metascore. I feel so, like for a remake, that's... That's pretty high. Exactly. So, now, by comparison, the Manchurian Candidate from 1962 has, I think, a 90 on Metacritic. It um, has Frank Sinatra in it. <laughs> which I don't believe I've ever seen a Frank Sinatra movie before. Um, like a Frank Sinatra-led movie. Uh, it also stars Lawrence Harvey, Janet Lee, who I am a big fan of, obviously, from Psycho. Um, Angela Lansbury, who, uh, ironically, was also in The Grinch. Um, she, plays, she voices the mayor in The Grinch. Uh, so I had two Angela Lansbury movies from this week. Um... And then some other people who I'm not as familiar with. Uh, John McGiver oh looks familiar. Um, and uh, John Frankenheimer is our director for the 1962 version. Um, he also directed the... Apparently, he's listed as the uh, director for The Island of Dr. Moreau with uh, Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer, which has a pretty crazy story. If you ever get a chance to watch, there's a documentary about the making of it that is worth watching. Um so I'm not, he's not a director I'm super familiar with, but, um, we watched this on Amazon prime this week. Uh, and before we get into, we don't do spoilers right away. So if you're new to the show, we do, uh, just discuss our general idea of this movie, what we thought about it without spoiling anything. And then we will get into spoilers, but Corey will give a thorough warning before we do so. Um, I'll Corey, you. Did you, would you like to go first, uh, with your thoughts? Uh sure um i enjoyed it um i also don't think that i've seen a frank sinatra a frank sinatra act in a film which is pretty interesting because my meme loves oh. frank sinatra um uh yeah i enjoyed it i don't know i'd be interested in watching the 2004 um <laughs> I was kind of shocked oh, watching yeah. some of this. I do think it's going to be hard to talk about this movie without getting into spoilers yeah. because it's it's a twisty, slippery movie with a lot of um, plot that you're like, if... what's happening? Oh my god! Yeah, I um I love this. I was like really, really like I even when I started it, I was still kind of like, man, I really hope I can get into this. I'm not sure I'm going to. Um, and I, I got super hooked into it where like, I, at some points I was just like, oh, oh man, what's next? Like, what is going to happen? Like, I can't wait for this movie to play out. And I don't want to get into any specifics during this part of the review because I do feel like it needs to be seen from beginning to end. I did know a lot of this movie. Um, I'd read a couple of things before we watched it. And then also it's been referenced in tons of stuff. Like, um, there's a... There's some comedies that, like, kind of satirize the idea of the Manchurian Candidate. I mean, from the get-go, you are... Man, I don't know what's common knowledge and what's not. This is the IMDb uh, plot summary. A former prisoner of war is brainwashed as an unwitting assassin for an international communist conspiracy. So, the, that premise is in the early part of the film. It And I, I would even say... What, there was parts of that premise that I thought were going to be more of a mystery that they revealed really early. 
Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, where, like, I thought we wouldn't know certain, or, like, it was I thought... It going to unravel over time. Yeah, I thought some characters wouldn't know anything until, like, the end, and that wasn't the case. Like, a lot of characters were kind of in on what was happening, but it didn't fix it. You know, like, there was other stuff that we didn't know, and so it was really good at, like, giving you enough to keep you really interested, but also still having stuff under their sleeve that they're going to reveal later, and that's, that's always compelling, because you're not... You're not stretching a mystery out like a great example. I talked about the summer of 84 and they they make you not know anything for like three quarters of the movie. You're just spinning your wheels. And I'm using this analogy like over and over again. But that movie felt so boring because nothing happens for like three quarters of the film. And then all of a sudden everything happens. And this movie is the total opposite. Something happens immediately, and it's, like, constantly moving, and yet there's always something else. There's always one more thing, and it just was so well plotted out. I I was so captivated and hooked into this film. And I even found it really interesting that it was black and white, because this is 1962. Like, color film has been around for 30 years at this point, and so this was a choice to go black and white. Um, And I'm cool with it being black and white. I'm not opposed to black and white films by any means, but... um, I was, it, you know, I always have to kind of wonder, you know, why, why go black and white for a film like this? So at this time period, there's no real reason. I mean, Psycho is black and white too, which isn't that much, um, like, I think it's around the same time. I think Psycho might be 61, um, I'm looking, 60, so it's two years later, which is also interesting because I hadn't put that together. This is two years after Janet Lee's in Psycho. Because mm. um, Psycho kind of wrecked her career from my understanding because she was so tightly associated with that character that everyone just kind of you you can't play anything else you're you're marion crane from psycho like you're you're done um check in mate uh but yeah this movie uh was great um you know the whole idea of like the cold war and the communism um there's stuff that i don't know if political movies maybe just are by nature going to feel relevant at all times or if it's like just relevant right now because of all of the, you know the the, it it feels like nobody in the political realm trusts anybody else in the political realm right now. You know what I mean? Like everybody's well, afraid of everybody. <laughs> but also, I feel like we're just reaching new levels of stupid. It's like you don't have to have any anyone can be president now. Anyone can. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, no, I I do. Um. Like, there are yeah. no standards anymore. I mean, even though, like, Ronald Reagan was an actor before he was the president. But the amount of crazy things that Donald Trump has done prior to becoming president is is mind-boggling. And the thing I will always harp on is because I grew up, Corey, and I think you know this about me. I'm a wrestling fan. Um, I've been a wrestling fan most of my life. I'm currently – I haven't watched wrestling since WrestleMania. Um at all and i only i basically before this past wrestlemania i hadn't watched anything before last year's wrestlemania like i'm not actively involved right now with the wrestling world but i've always been somehow attached to it since i was a little kid and donald trump feuded with vince mcmahon back in the early 2000s and they they had uh two wrestlers wrestle in a hair like whoever's representative won the other person had to shave their head and Vince McMahon lost and had to shave his head. But Donald Trump was, like, actively on WWE for, like, months. 
and he's our president you know (laughs) he had a reality show he had a reality show where his catchphrase was you're fired and he's in home alone too and there was this last week or a week before on john oliver's uh last week tonight on hbo he brought up a clip of donald trump um i can't remember what show it was but he was like acting in a show and he does this like weird kissy face thing it was really creepy um oh man but it's yeah it's very surreal but the manchurian candidate um i i am definitely gonna seek out the denzel washington version because one denzel and meryl streep in a movie together is just too much awesome for me not to watch it um denzel must have been his homeboy because he was in philadelphia too yeah that's true um i mean denzel is i mean easily one of the best actors like working period and um i'm the more of his films that i finally get to because i had i'd skipped a lot because he does do some movies that aren't so great like equalizer's cool but it's got some really bad stuff in it and like you know he's done some stuff that's not so great but he's also done some amazing movies and i I, most actors have some things in their back catalog that isn't as good as some of their other stuff but um i had skipped a lot of denzel's dramas and things like that like i still haven't seen john q and um man on fire i need to watch like i have a lot of his back catalog i still need to go through but um i everything i see him in we could (laughs) there's at least four i haven't seen that are worth watching and then there might be some schlocky ones that i haven't seen i i grew up as a fan of virtuosity virtuosity yeah it's him and russell crowe i'm pretty sure it's russell crowe um, it's super like it kind of takes the idea it's a sci-fi movie where like a video game villain comes to our world like he comes out of the video game it's it, as a kid i just thought it was great because it was like video game you know references but uh it's, i think it's awful but at the time i thought it was really fun and it was on hbo or whatever so i watched it all the time as a kid but um i think that was one of the first denzel experiences i have so i do want to go back to uh that movie but um, I think we're at a standstill. We can't talk about this venture. Yeah, candidate we can't really talk about it without getting into spoilers. So, Corey, guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about the nineteen sixty two, nineteen sixty four version of a Manchurian Candidate. Uh, so you know, spoilers. You've been warned. Yep, you can and- check it out on Prime if you want to watch it before you uh, listen. Yes. Okay, so the first thing, this this we could have probably talked about, um, there's a statistic at the beginning that only 77 soldiers of over 5 million in the Korean War got a Medal of Honor. And I hadn't realized that, uh, how rare an honor the Medal of Honor was. Um, like, obviously I expect it to be, but I feel like I hear it a lot, like in movies and TV, like you hear like, oh, Medal of Honor, Medal of Honor. So I never thought of it as such a rare statistic and i thought that was a really cool thing to include and it plays a major factor throughout the course of the film hmm. and um is there any uh moments that you want to just jump right into um i so <sighs> i found the dreams that i'm forgetting frank sinatra's characters is it it starts with an m it's ben but um bennett marco marco okay um i think it was malco or something um i think that his dreams are pretty terrifying at the beginning uh Uh he keeps having and i think 
I don't know. I think that it's really, it was really interesting that they just kind of put what happened together themselves. I, because we end up finding out that they were brainwashed and one of them, Shaw, was uh, turned into an assassin and um, a sleeper agent, which I'm not really that familiar with what a sleeper agent is actually, but uh, I was doing some reading before we recorded because I watched it. I watched it over two nights, but I always feel like there's a lot that I don't realize happening or Mm -hmm. put together. Um, So... I thought that was pretty interesting. I like that we're not really told what his trigger is that sets him off. We just kind of figure it out for ourselves because it just kind of keeps showing up, but they're not like throwing it in our face. Yeah. The scene at the bar where they accidentally, uh, the guy says something about solitaire and he's like, I need a deck of cards. And then he starts playing solitaire and the queen and (laughs) jump in the lake. I love how that played out. Um, the dream sequence though, I want to go back to because that, I loved how it was shot. Like we see the the soldiers sitting at this like weird floral like meeting where these like women with flowers and then it cuts and we hats. we see them yeah with their hats and we see them um what they really are which are are communist leaders uh who have brainwashed these soldiers and so we we're kind of in and out and they do it really interestingly because it's never exactly the same like sometimes it's back in the room with all the women sometimes it's just one person's a woman um, and then later we see the other soldiers perspective of the dream. And did you notice the change to the women? Yeah, they were black. They were black because it was a black soldier. And so like that, the the women look differently to each soldiers taught to us in that moment. And it's just like, it's all the more kind of terrifying how, you know, manipulated they were and they had no clue. And then watching, um, uh, what's his name? Larry, the, the soldier who's, the sleeper agent um oh i think so shaw shaw and um watching him um who shaw is uh shaw is played by Liv shriver in the other movie um Raymond. Oh, that would be such a good yeah and then so angela lansbury being his mother um but like watching him kill the the two soldiers on the panel that have been brainwashed it's so it's was it just to show the control of him, was there? I didn't catch that there was any particular reason that those two were chosen. Yeah, they could have picked any. They they didn't choose Marco, um, because like, cause he initially was going to kill Marco, because like mm-hmm. they asked him who you know who are you least attached to or whatever, and he said Marco, and um, they're like, well, we need him because he's got to give you the medal. Like he's the one, he's the only one who can award you the medal of honor. And we need you to get closer to the president. I think that was the goal, is that they were going to get him closer to those the people that matter. And um, I think those two were just expendable, basically. And because somebody had to die. Like, that was, you know, to, to argue. Um, but, like, also, like, they try to explain he's chosen because he doesn't, like, he's not, he's able to, to do the thing he would normally do and be okay with it like and they have him program where he forgets that he did it so he doesn't feel the guilt of doing it and man but also what better way to not get give yourself up to yeah if you don't remember doing it yeah you can't you can you know, just go reveal. about yeah it's 
It's a really... I thought it was going to be more like Body Snatchers when I went into this movie. Like, we wouldn't know who was the the sleeper agent, you know, and it would play out like that. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we get. We know from the beginning who the sleeper agent is um, pretty much right from the beginning. And, um, you know, the whole... But then the real twist is Angela Lansbury's character. Who is the? She's running around spewing anti, you know, communist. She's constantly pointing out all the communists in the the Senate, and she's, you know, that's her, her, well, she is the ringleader behind her husband, who's the one actually strings. Yeah, yes, she's pulling the strings of the uh, her husband, um, who is a senator, and he's she's trying to get him not the presidential election, but the vice presidency. Nice. And so she's like, they're going around accusing people of being communist and they come to find out, no, she's the communist. And her whole plan is to get him the vice presidency nomination and then kill the, I guess the Republican. They don't, I don't think they say what party they're affiliated with, but I think it's Republican. Um, and then have her, the sleeper agent kill the presidential nominee. So he'll move up by, you know, default. And he'll win because he'll he'll rise to the occasion. You know, this uh, person's assassinated um, by a communist, so he'll become the the you know the spokesperson for this anti-communist movement. And at the same time, he is the communist. Like it's such a horrifying kind of ploy, and it ends up being her son. And that whole sequence, Angela Lansbury is a powerhouse in this freaking movie. Like I never would have thought the little murder she wrote, lady could be like this intimidating and crazy um i was really really impressed with her in this movie same i can't remember seeing her in a like in a you know film at all actually i did watch murder she wrote a lot as a child bed knobs and broomsticks but i don't even remember oh no so i again blown away she was such a good good bad person yeah agree Oh man, I'm sorry, folks. It is really late. I'm like yawning like crazy. Um, yeah, I I I knew she she's nominated for best supporting actress for this movie, and the movie's also nominated for best editing, which I agree with. I thought the editing, especially during those dream sequences, was off the charts insane. Like I loved those sequences so much. Um, and I don't always feel that way. Like I I watch a lot of movies, and a lot of times I walk away with just an opinion on the story. Um, I don't always, I'm not always taken back by the filmmaking. Like I, I've kind of trained myself to look for that, but it doesn't always click for me. Like I'm not always one to like, Oh, the set designer. Oh, the, you know, the cinematography, it takes something special for me to really notice it. And, uh, this one, when I'm watching those sequences, the editing was immediately just like, I was so like, I love how they cut this together. And, um, there's other things throughout the movie. Uh, the, the, worst part i think of the movie is also maybe too funny is the kung fu fight between marco and the valet um i forget the valet's name but it was it felt a little offensive and there is some definite like 60s little bit of racism built into that but uh well obviously him being like kung fu trained is a little racist but like um the fight's pretty bad (laughs) it's it's way too long too but um, it's 62, so I can give that a break, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I thought, uh, the, the subplot with Josie, um, oh, 
I'm like, sorry I'm jumping around so much. I think it's because I'm I'm half asleep. But um, okay, so Raymond Shaw is a the character Raymond Shaw played by Lawrence Harvey is unlovable essentially that's what we're kind of taught the men hate him like the first time we meet him he walks into a bar where the well uh, let's be real it's a brothel and the soldiers it's in uh i thought it was vietnam but it was the korean war so it's not vietnam it's the korean war um they're in this brothel in korea and he walks in and just like shuts it shuts it down and we're basically immediately told that he's everyone dislikes him because he's such a follow the rules kind of guy um and then uh he tells the story to marco about this girl um jocelyn jordan played by leslie Parrish, and her dad uh, senator thomas jordan john mcgiver who has um been accused of being a communist by shaw's mother um and how he he meets her and she saves him from like he was bit by a snake and she sucks the poison out and um he instantly asks her for her hand in marriage and they have this really great summer and things they go laugh. wrong. <laughs> yeah, they laugh at him. Yeah. And he just but joins he in. Too. I yeah. know, it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I don't know. What do you how do you think everybody's gonna react? Well that's that was the he was so awkward and uncomfortable. He meant it genuinely. And then when they laughed, I don't think he even understood they were laughing at how preposterous it was. But they fall in love and then his mom wrecks it. She basically sends um, her away. And um, when she comes back and she's wearing the Queen of Hearts uh, costume, I thought that was just like such a cool little twist on that. You know, like how everything's been flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know if that was by accident or because they made it a costume party on purpose. Yeah. So, or if like his mom influenced what she wore well it it seems like it was an accident because the mom shows up and she looks surprised to see the mm. red queen there and um but so we were told earlier in the movie by the uh the guy who brainwashed shaw that he is trained to kill and if anybody sees him kill kill them too so we we know and very subtly i love how they do it like we're, we know angela lansbury sending him to kill the senator but at the same time we never see a scene where she actually says it to him but mm-hmm. we see him go to the house he shoots the senator in a cold-blooded very sad way because the senator clearly loves him as a son you know like he's welcomed him in despite you have the that mother. in your hand yeah what is that is that a silencer and then he shoots him and then he walks up and shoots him in the head, which was super violent for a 62 film. I was really surprised at this whole sequence, actually. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's crazy. There's no blood. Like, so it's, it's you know, it's PG-13 in that way. But he stands over him and straight up executes this guy. Like, it is a, it's shot from a, a, a long shot, but it's still very clear what's happening. But then my heart dropped when Judy walks into the hallway. I'm like, oh, no. Because I remember instantly that he's supposed to kill anyone who sees him. And then he just shoots her. Yeah. And doesn't even know that he does it. Like, he walks out. Fine. He's fine. He's not happy. He doesn't have a breakdown because he's so programmed. That's probably the scariest part of the movie to me. Like, And it's not a horror movie per se, but there's a lot of horror in it I feel to me. like these things, though, are worse than... You know what I mean? It. Yeah. 
I I don't I, know. I wouldn't. I totally know what you mean though, because I movies like this scare me more than anything. The idea of me losing i am such a control freak with myself that the idea of someone brainwashing me and then worse me not remembering that it happened is so scary because what if that's what's happening you know that's even i think why i connect with fight club so much the fear of like what if when we sleep we're not sleeping that we're just our brains clicking off and we're somebody else you know like i know it's unlikely and like i have a wife and a kid who would notice if i was missing for 12 hours but it's just that fear of like, what if, you know, like, what if someone brainwashed me and I'm just waiting for the the wrong signal? Because I don't know about you, but like there are phrases that people will say that will trigger like a song in me. Like I'll hear like three words and it'll be like casual words that you can hear in any conversation. And then I'll just have the song in my head or like it'll make me think of a scene from a movie or whatever. Right. So it's like they're triggered responses that aren't being brainwashed. So I feel like I'm you know susceptible because that oh, happens to me on accident. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am like, like, or maybe not. I was grading one of my students essays the other day and they, they got a little redundant. They kept saying, I feel, I feel, I feel. And that triggered the boxcar racer song. I feel so. And I, I had to listen to the song cause I read, I feel like 17 times and you know, I'm like, well now I just want to listen to that song, but that's a two words. You know, I feel how many times have those two words been uttered together, yet it triggered this uncontrollable desire to listen to that song? Like, I had to listen to the song. Um, and so this movie, this idea that this guy who loves this girl so much, like, I don't for a second doubt his love for Jocelyn, you know? No. And, but he kills her without a hesitation because of the brainwashing. Like, that's so scary to me. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when he, when he gets deprogrammed, when Marco deprograms him with the uh, solitaire and the trick deck of all Queen of Hearts, mm-hmm. it's it's such a tragic moment, you know? And then the uh, the sniper sequence at the end. Ah, but I loved it. Sweet, oh, yeah. Sweet justice. And I, I, I mean, I felt like I knew where it was going at that point. Like, I felt like he had committed to the act, but not because he was brainwashed anymore, but one driven to hatred you know he needed revenge but also he, mm-hmm. he makes that point he's like they they weren't going to stop and then when he killed himself i was very shocked i was like oh well, no what what is he gonna do i know i know i'm not saying he did the wrong thing but it was still like at that point he had earned so much empathy from me mm-hmm. and i i hated seeing him have to lose basically you know because, yes, he's the bad guy in the movie, but he's the unknowing bad it's guy. It's unintentional. Yeah, it's not... I don't know. They're bad people, but... Those... Yeah, those weren't any of the things... Any things that he would... Yeah, I had no... choose to do. Yeah, no empathy for uh, Angela Lansbury's character, despite her amazing performance. I didn't... When that happened, I was just like, holy hell. Um, I don't... Because I thought it might go that way, but also I was wondering if... Maybe he wasn't unbrainwashed yeah. or... Yeah. And also, I didn't realize that she and her husband are communist. I just thought that they didn't care what it took or who they had to be in bed with um, to get to get their, to do what they want to do to reach their goals, I guess. Oh, no, yeah. No, she was totally a communist. There's the scene where she confesses to uh, Shaw 
Um, she says, like, you know, I they did this to get to me. They picked you to, like, to make sure that I was committed to the cause. No, yeah, totally a communist, 100%. Mm. Um, I think her husband, again, is just doing what he's told he's to do. dumb. Yeah, like, I don't know that he's a communist in the real sense of the idea. Like, I think she is and is using him... Because at the maybe because of at the time she wouldn't have been eligible to be a vice. Well, no one would have voted for like we're we still haven't had a woman president, you know. And while Clinton finally was on the the ticket, he didn't win. Um, you know, so yeah, sixty two. I don't see a woman running for vice presidency or whatever. So she needed him to be the the figurehead. Um, but. I think it's so interesting just seeing, like, what a sign of the times this movie is, though. And even, like, last week when we watched um, Dr. Strangelove, mm-hmm. just, like, how the Cold War or how much the politics of the time just, you know, I... Yeah. Uh, and people were getting blacklisted from mm-hmm. acting and all kinds of things because people were saying that they were communists. So I just think that, yeah. like... Because sometimes we, we've watched movies where we don't understand what's going on in the time, and it just doesn't have a, you know, I guess, doesn't bear a lot of weight with us. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't, you know. Um, so, like, knowing these things and then watching stuff like this, it's insane. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I didn't think I would really get into political thrillers, and I feel like I'm totally into political thrillers. Like, the more I watch, the more I'm like, no, you know what, I think these are really captivating and they are they're stress inducing because you have to get paranoid about the actual government because like in mr smith goes to washington government conspiracy you know and it's it's not like some evil plot to like destroy the world it's not some super spy type conspiracy it's someone wanting to get richer who's already rich but wanting to get richer by manipulating government doctrine and then when a real political like a person who loves the idea of democracy tries to stand up against him how they crush him until like there is the happy ending in mr smith goes to washington but man how like devastating yeah like like, two hours of heartbreak well and for him what almost 24 hours of like like fighting to just not be you know bashed because here's a man who was an upright citizen who did everything right and his reputation was being destroyed while fighting for something he believed in you know like that is the biggest nightmare right like that you do something you know is right and then the wrong people have the power to destroy you anyways like that is got to be the most terrifying thing like why like my daughter is considering a career in politics and not necessarily she's that she wants to run for that. office. She's super smart, and she totally should do it because she is passionate about it. But I just but feel like she's such a good person. That's my concern. <laughs> I feel like you have to be a bad person. I don't know. She's going to be the Mr. Smith, right? Like, she's going to be the one fighting for just causes, but then will be taken down by evil people with with better, not necessarily better parents, but parents who have money to, like, take care of them. Because that's the thing. She'll be coming from nothing, you know? And... I mean, or at least, you know, very low middle class, you know, an educator and a retail manager were not exactly rich, you know? So, um, 
she's going to be an uphill battle and she's more than capable of doing it. That's why I'm hoping she ends up like Leslie Nope, like in, you know, Parks and Rec type politics, like where it's not something most people are upset about, but it still makes a difference. But even then, if you look at Parks and Rec, you still have Leslie Nope gets bashed all the time by the the jerks in the political world because she is a pure good soul who's just trying to do the right thing and everyone around her is constantly you know if it wasn't for ron swanson being a a, you know libertarian who doesn't want power who wants the power to the people constantly just kind of stepping in because he's you know a strong arm so to speak not trying to go into this but just this idea in general that like i'm finding to be more and more compelling because you know these were we watched two very old movies which i am much more receptive to old film now than I ever was as a kid, but it still doesn't always resonate. Like you said, sometimes we just don't get the context and I don't always have time to do the research to get the context. And Mm -hmm. I wish I was better historian, but I'm not. Um, A lot of the history that I do know I've learned from movies or learned because of movies, you know, like a movie will interest me in a subject that I otherwise knew very little about. Um, And the last two films I've been really, uh, super impressed with um it might even be three that i've been really impressed with um oh yeah because i love dr strangelove so yeah i'm sorry mr smith dr strangelove and manchurian candidate so far i've loved all three and um maybe we should have picked a more diverse like time period i feel like they're all like well true right there (laughs) they're all dealing uh, well smith isn't dealing with communism but the other two are um for sure there is no question that both uh, Manchurian Candidate and um, uh, Doctor Strangelove are dealing with communism um, and the fear of it, for sure. But uh, I think the next movie will break that up, though. So let's get into uh, – let's finish up Manchurian Candidate, and then we'll talk about next week's episode. So is there anything else you want to say before we um, give our ratings? I kind of went into this not knowing a whole lot about it uh, – at all actually um i really i did enjoy it i'm glad uh, i i always am a little nervous because i i, I kind of did a curveball i think on this one because i was really adamant about seeing this one um you kind of strong-armed the whole month john just like okay I'm... <laughs> you picked fine. dr strangelove that's the only I one did. <laughs> i i did i i encouraged us to move away from encouraged. one movie i discouraged um one movie not because it's not good but because it's super long and i have seen it so we're also trying to utilize things we have access to or yeah so i'm totally just picking which this one the one we're going to be watching next week um there's a lot of reasons i wanted to watch it and uh it is oh there's so many reasons i'm looking through the cast here and i'm just like dang it there's some really great people in this movie um all right, so you, let's start to do our rating for the 1962 Manchurian Candidate. I'm going must-see without any hesitation because I absolutely love the movie. I think that I'm going to go there too because I just cannot – I just can't get over how relevant it is. What are we? Yeah. 50 years later? 50, uh, almost 60. 50, yeah. Hold on. Getting... I can't math. <laughs> 50, <laughs> uh, 56, I believe. Okay. Perfect. Or something like that. I'm not great yeah. at math either, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 56. Um. So that's it. Manchurian Candidate from 1962 gets both of us a must-see rating. And I got to say, Corey doesn't do a whole lot of must-see ratings. Um, not to say you do a whole lot of the Avoid Like the Plague, but I feel like you often fall closer to like, the mid-range. Meh. Yeah. yeah. And 
Um, and that's not because again we're talking a very minimal amount of movies, and you know, um, we have we pick some some oddballs sometimes out of nowhere where we're just going on a on a whim. Um, but this next one uh, is kind of a whim, but it's one I've I re- I've looked at this cover forever, and I I've, didn't realize what it was. This was the one, yeah. yeah. So we're gonna be watching uh, the Ides of March from 2011 uh directed by george clooney um and stars listen to this cast i just can't get over this cast paul giamatti george clooney philip seymour hoffman ryan gosling evan rachel wood marissa tomei jeffrey wright like that that group right there is so good i am so stoked about this movie just from the cast already know from his last so many roles that paul giamatti's gonna be the bad guy (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that is a good prediction. Um, he is often the bad guy. Um, it's The premise is an idealistic staffer for a new presidential candidate gets a crash course on dirty politics during his stint on the campaign trail. Uh, it's got a 67 meta score, but a 7.1 IMDb user score, um, which tells me it's probably going to be an entertaining movie, if nothing else. I think that's a... And, and I can't get over the cover of this movie because... The symmetry of George Clooney's face and Ryan Gosling's face freaks me out. Like they are way too symmetrical. Like There's probably, I'm thinking there might be a little bit of Photoshop in there. Probably, but their nose and mouth match up so well. Like their eyes don't. That's where you really see the difference. Um, Clooney's got like more squinty eyes. But I, I am a Ryan Gosling fan. We've watched a few Ryan Gosling movies on this podcast at oh. this point. I mean, I know you are also a fan. Yeah, and, he has kids, and I still have a crush. So, <laughs> um, and I, I actually, I feel like George Clooney's underappreciated a lot of times, um, and I Some... tend to find him super charming though. It... I, I'm trying to think of movies that I've seen him in. I just, I don't know. Well, like, okay, I'm a big fan of the the uh, Coen's movies he's been in, Hail Caesar, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou. I love both of those. Um, okay, sold. I have don't not even have to go any further. <laughs> I have yet to watch the air uh, up in the air, but I plan to because it's um, Jason Reitman film, and I'm a big Jason Reitman guy. Um, and then uh, I liked him a lot though in um, oh man, well I love the Nespresso commercials, but uh, it's not um, Gravity. I don't want to say so much because he's barely in it, but uh, the Descendants I loved. Um, I really like him in uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. He's the voice of Mr. Fox. Um, See, I, I feel like, he, okay, I have enjoyed, I did really like him as Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I think that, that. Have you seen Ocean's Eleven? No. I didn't Man, watch any of those movies. You should watch Ocean's Eleven. I, I was hesitant on it too. Um, and then I watched it and was like, okay, I should have watched this forever ago. This movie's yeah, amazing. Where are thou? I feel like he's one of those actors that. Oh my gosh, from Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, oh he's God. great in that too, yeah. So I think that he's just one of those that I, you know, seen quite a, seen enough and just kind of like how I felt like I had seen a lot of John Travolta films and then I didn't even have enough to make a list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the opposite. That's fine. I, I There's a lot of his movies I haven't oh seen God. though. Like I haven't seen was... Out of Sight. What he was in some... So many episodes of Roseanne. I've yeah, read about. he was um, one of their bosses at some point. Um, yeah, he's he's very young looking in that, um, and he is on an episode of Friends as one of the doctors. I think he was 
kind of playing off his ER performances. Um, cause I think he's also with Noah Wiley on that episode. And, um, obviously he is the worst Batman. Um, not necessarily his fault, but it's definitely the worst Batman ever put to screen. Um, I, I just bought three Kings. I've not seen that movie, but I've heard it's actually really good. Uh, I don't like disaster movies, so I've never watched perfect storm. Um, well, I say that I try not to say that about any genre, but I just haven't been able to get past the disaster movies do not appeal to me. Um, I still haven't watched Twister. Like that's how little interest I have in them. I just, I just can't bring myself to even watch them. But, um, this movie, I, I've been looking at this cover for years. Um, and I've always thought it was a really interesting cover. So I'm very excited to, uh, to check it out. I think it'll fit very nicely into the political, uh, landscape. And again, um, unlike the other ones we've watched, this is set, I think in modern times. So it looks like it'll be in like the 2000 era. So, I imagine we will see stuff we are even more familiar with than with what what we've seen in these other movies. So, which might be terrifying. It may be, or maybe, maybe it'll be uh, relaxing to a degree. You know, maybe we'll find it like a little bit of comedic intrigue. Although it's listed as drama thriller, so probably not. We're probably going to be horrified. Oh no! But that's what we'll be watching this week. Um, it is, to my knowledge, not available on any streaming service, but we were able to purchase it on Vudu. Um, Voodoo has had some stuff on sale uh, because of November being political. Like we had, you know, an election and whatnot. So um, we would love to hear your thoughts. We'll be posting on our uh, social media about this upcoming episode. And feel free to reach out to us there to uh, share your thoughts on the Ides of March or any of our other movies we've reviewed. Um, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And please check BurkeReviews.com for all the latest reviews and things like that. Corey writes a monthly spot where we kind of preview the comings and going on Netflix. Uh, you can see what they've added this month in November um, on the site right now. And before December, we should have another one of those coming up. Um, if you like the podcast, please rate, review it, and share it on your social media. Help us get more listeners. The more listeners we get, the better chances we have of continuing this for many, many more years. Because we have a lot of movies that we've never seen um and we're gonna try to hit that off the list in fact i am on thanksgiving break this week and i'm hoping to watch howl's moving castle um a studio ghibli film that i've been trying to get to for a while as well as seeing uh widows um instant family creed 2 comes out this week uh ralph breaks the internet comes out this week the very not so good looking robin hood movie comes out this week um and there's something else that came out in theaters this weekend that i'm not even thinking of right now Oh, I, I guess I just saw it. Fantastic Beast. Uh, that's what it is. Because Instant Family and Widows came out. Which Widows I'm hearing amazing things about. And I can't wait to see. Mm. But, um, Corey, I hope you go see some more movies this week. So that next week when we talk about Ides of March, you have something to, to talk about. <laughs> Word. <laughs> oh, one last thing, though, Corey. Uh, yes. I, I don't know if you know, um, we have a tradition with my wife and my daughter where we go to Gaylord Palms Ice on Thanksgiving. Yeah. This year is a Christmas story theme. <gasps> yeah. And I am so excited. Here's my plan, Corey. You're not okay. supposed to touch the ice. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping that I can get close enough to the giant ice sculpture leg lamp that oh I can God. lick it. Right? So don't get, don't get skeeved out, everybody. I'm not licking it because it's the leg lamp. I'm licking it because I want to recreate the scene. 
because my my head's telling me that my tongue will freeze to it. And then I can do the I'm stuck, stuck, stuck. And then when Kathy and Taylor try to leave me, I can be like, hey, you guys, come back. You guys, come back. And then the police will come and the fire truck. Oh, God. They'll have to triple dog dare me to, you know, not lick it. And then you're banned for life. But it'll have been worth it because I I licked the leg lamp. I'm out of here. Anyways, (laughs) um, folks, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep watching movies. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts. Covering the entire movieverse, there's something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com